Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Greetings. You've landed at the VUC, IP Communications and VoIP Community. We would like to thank Simwood.com for their support. Simwood can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our hosted PBX is from OnSIP.com, and you can go to GetOnSIP.com for a URL people can click to call you. We've been privileged over the last five years to be using the best conference bridge on the planet. Yes, I'm talking about ZipDX.com, full-color, full-featured, full-HD conference bridge. Our website, VUC.me on the web, is hosted by Bluehost.com. And our worldwide local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. And the dot-com revolution has not ended yet, but maybe we'll end it with VUC 575. First one for uh, 2016. Is it better to say 2016 or 2016? I don't know. Anyway, really pleased to welcome back (laughs) Mr. Levent Levy. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> he has a uh, difficult name to pronounce, so I'm not going to try it again. Anyway, we do have, and I want you to go take a look at this page while we're thinking about it. I'll mention this a couple of times, vuc.me slash webrtc. And our guest is going to explain what that's about, and he's going to talk about a lot of other things that they have been doing. So I'm going to turn it over to him for the intro. Go. Okay. Thank you. Um, I'm Tzachi Levent-Levy. That's a hard name to pronounce. Nobody can outside of Israel, by the way, so I'm I'm used to it. <laughs> I've been given a lot of different names over the years, and different countries pronounce it differently. And anyways, I'm the author of uh, the website blog Yikmi, where I write about a lot of things, mostly WebRTC. Hopefully this year I'll also do a lot of messaging, not only WebRTC, just because it interests me. Um, and, you know, you asked me to come again, and I thought, what would I speak about? And because we're just finishing with 2015, I thought it would be a good time to look at what happened last year. So I'm not going to focus specifically on platform as a service. I will, well, actually will uh, in this case. Um, and this is around the report that I've written two years ago, and I update it twice a year now. Um, it talks about how do you build today applications or services that require communications. And these kinds of services and applications end up needing usually some kind of WebRTC these days, where you need voice or or video communications over IP. So most do it using WebRTC. So it started by looking at the market, the different vendors that are out there, what they have on offer. And I've decided to go into the API space for that. And those that are mostly hosted systems where you call an API and it does what you want it to and you don't need to manage or maintain the service itself. You just use it. Uh, Most of the systems that I'm covering in the report are acting that way. And every half year I need to update it with different trends in that market and with the changes that that the vendors go through as well. So I've also prepared a short presentation. Let me see if I can share it. This is also going to be Somewhat challenging. (laughs) Okay, do you see this one? We do. Okay, so just for context, I'm running on an Ubuntu machine and I'm showing that from a laptop through TeamViewer connected to Google Hangouts for the sharing and that goes to YouTube on air or Hangouts on air to YouTube and probably through some other hoops and, and, you know, things that you take it through in VUC. So that's like, it's interesting to actually do these things. It's amazing. So it's amazing just that we see that. Yes, that it works. Right. I just decided to do it instead of using the laptop. <laughs> I prefer this machine better. So I want to go through the trends in the WebRTC password platform as a service space. And first of all, let's see what that space exactly is. Um, 
So these are the vendors that are currently on my report, the one from September last year. That was the, the latest update. Since I've started, two vendors actually got out of the market. AdLive was acquired by Snapchat in 2014, and Requestec also was uh, acquired by Blackboard, and they ju both just exited the market, so they no longer exist. There are other platforms that I'm aware of that are just not in my report, uh, usually because they didn't find the reason to reply back to my questions. Um, and there are those that I just might not know yet or didn't fit because they don't fit in the type of questions that I have. So when you go and try to build something with WebRTC and you want to use a third party to host your service, there are many alternatives out there and they're not the same. Each one of them is different from one another. And there are a lot of decision points that you need to take in order to decide what to do. What I want to touch again is a bit of the, of the uh, things that happened to us in 2015. And the first one is acquisitions in this space. So we had Crocodile RCS, if someone remembers that company in 2012 or 13, I think. Then it was silently acquired by Ascision and Ascision took it and rebranded it as a, as a platform or product that they called uh, Forge. So Ascision Forge is a platform that I'm covering and it includes uh, voice uh, through PSTN, SMS, and then voice and video is in WebRTC and also IP messaging. This year, Ascision got acquired or merged into Converse or what was left out of Converse <clears throat> after they sold bits and pieces to other companies. And then they rebranded the whole new company uh, under the name of Sura. And they're now operating under that name. So the actual platform and APIs exist, but they changed hands through time. Someone can, you know, guess the next acquisition that we have, we had this year in this space? Probably be Jitsi, wouldn't it? Mm, almost. That would be the next one. <laughs> uh, but Cisco, Cisco acquired Tropo. Right. So we had Voxel and then Voxel Labs, they split. Voxel Labs uh, was rebranded as uh, Tropo and then got acquired by Cisco this year. And today they're doing, well, almost what they did earlier, but they're also part of the Cisco Spark work. So they are now part API platform, part unified communications. I hard to really say how that works, but the system is there. The APIs are there. You can still use them. The third one is not Jitsi. Jitsi isn't this kind of a platform because it's just an open source package, like framework, whatever that you can go and install on your own. And it offers only one specific thing to do, and that's an SFU, a way to build a multipoint conference through a selective forwarding unit. The third one was Unify, acquired by Atos. I, I guess it's more of a, let's say, monetary transaction than anything else, financial one. I don't know what it really means. Unify had a new platform that they introduced in 2015 called Circuit. It was, again, for developers built on top of WebRTC and on top of the Unified Communication service that they offered. But again, the ability to build whatever use case you want with it. And now it's part of Atos, but still under the same brand names. So one thing to say about the acquisitions we had in 2015, they didn't ruin anything to anyone who actually used these platforms, as opposed to what happened in 2014, where companies just, you know, the vendor you used vaporized and you couldn't use it anymore. <clears throat> now, if I had to choose the top vendors in 2015 in terms of what they did, these would probably be Twilio and Talkbox. They're also, you can say that there are the elephants in this specific domain and space. And I think that they are the most interesting ones because they showed the most significant change in their offerings in 2015 from all of the other vendors. The other vendors, you know, they moved, they added features, they progressed, which was nice. But Twilio and Talkbox almost redefined what they are doing in the process of working on 2015. And they did that in two very different ways. So Talkbox decided that they are going to go vertically and drill down to whatever it is video. So Talkbox, <clears throat> if you don't know, is a Telefonica company. They got acquired by Telefonica in 2012. Essentially, if you want to build a use case that requires video chat, multi-party, that is complex, they are probably the best alternative in this space if you don't want to actually own the infrastructure. And what they did in 2015 was say, you know, we're, we're doing video. Yes, we are part of a large K 
carrier, galaxy, whatever that is called Telefonica. But we're going to ignore that part. We're not going to do voice at all, or we're not going to do voice use cases. That's not where we're strong. We're not even going to enable connectivity to PSTN. So no, let's say, traditional telephone in their offering. What we are going to do is to look at what additional things we can do with video processing and take that to the extreme. And the things that you can see that they've done in 2015, the first one is actually the last in this bulleted list. They started churning out white papers on specific verticals that can enjoy the addition of video communications. So they decided to do, you know, market education in this space, and they've done it beautifully. I like each and every one of their white papers. I envy the part that they did it and did it without me. Um, and they show the statistics around each and every vertical, how it works, why it requires video, where it requires video. And then they showcase several of their customers and how they use the TalkBox platform differently to get to the in, to implement their own use case. So if I remember correctly, they have one on banking, healthcare, and education, and really good white papers. The thing that they did with the product, they, they added a lot of collaboration when they added a new annotations widget that essentially says, you know, you can do screen sharing and that's nice, and then you can build everything on top of that on your own, but we can also offer the, it for you as a widget with all the built-in bolts and nuts and bolts that you need in there already available. So again, it will take you less time to build your use case because we thought it out already. They tried doing it in the past with call queuing. Didn't work that well. This one is a lot more focused on video communications and collaboration. So it has, I guess it has more of a chance to work. It's from the past two months. So it's still early days to say if this will be adopted or not. Now I've saved the most important or interesting part for last, and that's the introduction of a new uh, product offering that they called Spotlight. They launched it in December, but have been beta uh, testing privately, doing betas with it with several customers. And Spotlight is essentially a live product uh, broadcast platform, similar to how uh, Hangouts on Air works. So you can do um, you can do a broadcast where either a single person is going to shout out to the crowds like Meerkat and Periscope does, or you can have several people doing a discussion like this one, and then broadcasting the result live and then storing it or playing it back later on. And this is one of these use cases that is quite elusive. Many people ask for it to build their own use cases, but whenever they came to me and asked, the only answer was, well, you know, you need to build it on your own. And now they actually have a way of doing it just by interacting with the APIs of TalkBox. And we've got the, the when it launched, uh, TalkBox um, featured the sport, uh, Fox Sports that are already using it. And I know of several other customers of TalkBox that are using Spotlight. So for those who don't want to own the technology or think that their core lies elsewhere, then in the broadcasting part, this can be a very good uh, platform. And it's the only one that I know of that is so generic in terms of being able to embed it wherever you want and do with it practically anything you, you want. You're all so quiet. Well, I have a question for you, which is uh, what you just said with regard to Blab, which we just tried. And I'm sure you're fam- you must be familiar with that, right? Yes. So how do you, where, are the, where, are the, where do they fit in all this? We were just talking about this because we just tested it today. I, I jump on this stuff when it's alpha or beta, and it's mm-hmm. been around for several weeks, if not a couple of months. Uh, we tested it's it today. Smart. It looked very, very good. So um, what, are you, what are your comments on that? Because it's related. Yeah, so it's related because Blab is actually built on top of TalkBox. Uh, okay. Put, put, it's put yourself back on, uh, by the way, if you're done with the slides. Don't forget. It's okay. No, there are more slides. Oh, uh, more slides, okay. One or two more, don't worry. I'm not okay, going go to ahead. hijack the whole hour with slides. Um, so they are built on TalkBox, and if you take it into the extreme, Product Hunt, uh, the service, have decided to do live streaming as well, and they are using Blab. They are not using Spotlight. They decided to integrate, you know, it's like Blab uses TalkBox, Spotlight, and Product Hunt uses Blab. Now, I'm not sure if Blab uses Spotlight for their service or are building that part on their own. They stated that they are building it on their own when I interacted with them. I think it was in November. So I'm not sure about that part. Um, 
And it's interesting because you see a lot of these different live broadcast solutions today popping up. And I've done, have you seen uh, the um, infographic that I did um, end of December? I remember you mentioning something about it, but we want to get into yeah. that in a little while after you're okay. done with the slides. So one of the things that I've done there was look at the use cases that I track. And I checked how many companies they implemented use cases in 2015, new use cases that didn't exist before, or new vendors that didn't exist before and what they are now implementing. And the biggest growth was actually in live broadcast, where different companies do different things. So you can go with it to the consumer, to the SMB, to the enterprise, different types of interactions, different type of ways to try and make money out of it. So Blab is one of these vendors. Now, let's switch to the other company, to Twilio. And if Talkbox was drilling down on the vertical and saying, if you need video, you come to us, then Twilio did the opposite. They said, we are going to be the generic long tail vendor of choice for everyone, and we're going to be a horizontal player. So what they did was launch multiple new services this year alone. So before that, if you went to Twilio, it was because they did SMS, they did voice, and they had this Twilio client that you could receive and send calls either from um, an, an SDK on a mobile app over IP or WebRTC inside the browser. Now, this year, they added two-factor authentication by acquiring a company called Authy, video support for now peer-to-peer, IP messaging, which is new for them, task router, and a slew of other, you know, bits and pieces of things that they were missing, like something they called, I think it was a mega conference, essentially a voice conference of whatever size you need that scales infinitely and things like that. So they, they actually beefed everything up. So if you need something today that is related to communications, the first place to look at would be Twilio because there is a very good chance that they have it already available. And then you won't need to do this thing of going to multiple vendors. What I've seen oftentimes is that companies go to multiple vendors. I take SMS from this company and my video goes to that company. Or I do messaging through, uh, I don't know, uh, PubNub and voice I'm doing with Twilio or video I'm doing with TalkBox. And now Twilio seems like the company that has, let's say, the most amount of available services out there, or at least there are building that platform out and this is a vision that they have so that's it's notable to see the differences between these two vendors now other vendors that i would have followed if i were interested in this space and that's what i'm doing are cinch and vox implant they were they both did very interesting things in 2015 but things that i can't really point my finger on and say this is the reason why they are so interesting okay but it's like like a gut feeling of they're just interesting vendors to watch, especially in 2015, what they've done through that year. And that concludes that part. Um, do you want to do it now or later, Randy? Yeah, well, I want to do that, but I want to ask you a question, which is that okay. you are the person who follows this stuff the most, obviously. Uh, and that's why you're here, and that's why we follow what you write. Um, I, don't, I don't think anybody else is following it this closely. My question to you Picture someone who actually needs these services. So you start looking at the websites. This is what I've done. You know, when people are guesting, for example, on VUC, I go look at their site and you see what's on offer. Well, <laughs> most of the time, what you see are a collection of SEO keywords. I, I'm not saying they're trying to do that that way, but you're seeing these same words that we all know. I just the first one that comes to mind is cloud, but you know, there there are about ten. WebRTC itself actually is one. And you go to these sites and you, you, there is no way to tell the difference between the So uh, what are yes. people supposed to do other than the obvious, which is read your report? I mean, how do you so, – you know all this stuff. How do you keep track of it? So uh, the first thing is that um, I'm on all of their blogs, all of these companies. I'm reading whatever it is that they write. Okay, to, to keep tra track of things. I have an account on, let's say, most of them. Uh, so whenever they send an email, I actually know about that. Some of them are not that communicative. Others are very much so. Uh, during the writing of the report, I went through the APIs of all of them, at least to see, to understand. And they are different. They're not the same. And a lot of gotchas in there, like, you know, okay, we do video conferencing. What does that mean? 
Okay, how many, how many participants? If the number they give is four to six, you know that it's mesh and it's not worth not not worth them to even deal with that. Uh, if they tell say ten plus, and now you need to start our tasking, what does that mean? What that, that you know? What's the maximum number? Is that star configuration of an MCU or is it an SFU that just routes the video? Things like that. Now I come from this market because I worked at Radvision in the past, a company that no longer exists. But there I was in charge, I developed and then in charge and product manager of um, VoIP products for developers. So the H323 stack that we had was something that I actually developed and then sold to customers. So I know the space of APIs and talking to developers and how it works and how you deal with the competition when it comes to marketing. So I'm, I'm very tuned to what goes in that market. And when you go and look stuff up, the first thing to do is first ask yourself what it is you're trying to achieve. And when you ask companies or people that think they say, well, you know, we want to do A and B and C and D and E and that's as well and this one. And the answer will be, well, we're trying to do a telehealth solution where we need a person to talk to another one and he needs to do that over a video. And, oh, it needs to also use voice and it needs to work on mobile phones and on desktops. And we also want it to run on an embedded device. And, oh, sometimes there's a third person that needs to join in. And this needs to run globally. And we need to record stuff. And you get, you know, the whole shopping list of whatever it is that they will do in the next 20 years. And the answer is, well, if you want to do that, you have no one that can cater to your needs. And then the first thing that you need to do at that point in time was to say to, say to yourself, or, okay, what am I seriously and honestly going to be able to achieve in the next year or two because the rest is just fluff you know it's dreams leave that aside you're not going to do it so picking a vendor today from that list won't help you now after you got that list of features the next thing to ask is okay what are the limitations that you have in your solution things like well we need this service to run in africa Okay, and then the answer is good, go build it yourself because none of these guys have any data centers in Africa, so it won't help. Or I need this thing to run best in Europe or in the US, and you'll see different vendors that cater different locations. Or, you know, I'm, I'm this huge company, I'm a corporate, what I like is to have an SLA in place, a throat that I can choke every day when my engineer tells me that something goes wrong. And I like this support. I like to pay for support and harass the people that I'm going to work with. And then there will be companies that cater to these kinds of desires and needs. They don't relate to features at all. They just relate to who am I as a company? What's my definition? Now, the next one is, do you have developers? Are you going to outsource it to someone else? Are you looking for someone to build it to you? Some of these platforms will have, you know, we have... We have third parties that work with us and can build it for you, system integrators, small developer shops. So there's a lot more than just saying, this is the feature list, this is what we're going to do, and that's it. And it's no different, by the way, than selecting and picking any other type of vendor that you have for your, your company. It goes to features, and then it goes to what your values are as a company and what you're looking for. It's a, it's a tough decision, though. And um, so getting back to the report, uh, this seems like an excellent way to figure out what you're trying to do and how it meshes with the reality. Um, I, I, what, are the, um, what are the major desires, desirata, of companies that are looking through these, uh, these markets, actually? They, everybody wants to do video conferencing now. Now it's the click here to talk to a counselor. What, what is the big thing right now? We know that our WebRTC hasn't really reached its uh, adult maturity and that someday it'll be doing way more interesting things, I think, and most of us think. But what's today's uh, need and why are people looking through this stuff in the first place? Um, so the first reason that they go to WebRTC is because you couldn't have done these things in the past. Not technically. Everything would have done technically in the past as well. But if you try to build a system, and I saw this use case recently, of veterinarian. I want to take my dog to the veterinarian, but I want, don't want to drive him there. I want to do that from home. So the dog will meet the vet through the PC, okay? True story. Now, you can say, stupid, you know, 
how many dog owners are out there within the country of, let's say, Israel, that would be willing to use this specific service for their needs? So let's take a larger country, France or the U.S., so, you know, a couple of millions. How many of them are going to know about your service and use it? You drill down, you see that this isn't going to be a billion-dollar market. And for such small markets, you couldn't have used voice over IP at all in the past. It was just too damn expensive to build and too damn expensive to operate. And now it's like, you know, you build it on your own in the garage, you say, here's a demo, it crashes, but it works, and then you can get the funding to build it, and building it also costs a lot less than in the past. So you see hundreds of different video conferencing solutions that say, we're going to kill Skype. No one, none of them will. One of them might, but that's the savvy guy that actually knows what he's doing. The rest are playing with the technology. But it also allows business people to come and say, you know, I know my niche. And my niche is selling cars. Or I know the niche of the needs of uh, the, um, not the doctors, the people that that prescribe uh, drugs or sell drugs, the pharmacies. Okay, and there is a very specific need in that market niche for adding remote communications through video. And I know how to, I know that that need exists. I just not, don't know how to build it. And that's where these companies come in and where they solve a gap in the market and enable people to build new use cases that weren't possible before. And Michael so, Graves is going to, um, Show us. She's sleeping. (laughs) There she is. If if she could go to the vet remotely, she would do it. But but I would come back and and be more pragmatic. The other dog is actually underneath the desk where you can't be seen. I would come back Mm -hmm. to you and I would say this is this is an excellent example. Except that let's let's make it more human based as the humans are better funded uh, in this environment. Although the humans' judgment with respect to their own healthcare is quite often a little more constrained than with respect to their pet's health care. Witness pet pharmaceuticals, one of the lowest, uh, largest growing branches of pharma right now. But it's a, that's another story. But VC, who is not in the WebRTC space, but is a sort of a non-traditional video conference player, we haven't had on in, in uh, a couple of years. Go up, camera. There, um, there we go. They, I was going to say you're headless. <laughs> go ahead. They are, they are now completely telemedicine-based, mm-hmm. right? Which is... Um, you know, and that's it's it's find that niche. What niche do you know, and how do yes. you take this tool set to exploit that niche? I I actually heard of a um a, a specialist doctor in Dallas who has a team of nurses that travel with a small suite of hardware that they go around to outlying areas where he would never travel because he's a specialist. His time is much too valuable, but they set up consults with patients in these outlying areas over a video link. And it just seems to me that WebRTC is sort of an easier channel to use than rolling around an HDX 4500. I'll give you two examples. The first one is a healthcare company here in Israel. They do a similar thing, but they don't have nurses. They don't need it. They build that device that takes all the readings that are required, even the audio ones and the video ones, and they can check if you take your temperature or check your heart rate and things like that. And that device connects to a mobile phone. The mobile phone connects to the doctor on the other end, and you can do a visitation using WebRTC to drive the call, but also send all the telemetry in real time. So that's one, and it's available, and it's a lot easier to do today than it was in the past. You don't need to roll a cart with Polycom telepresence system. You can just tell the guy in the home, you know, use your phone. The other use case is on my blog. I mean, I decided it was four months ago that I wanted to do something stupid and try to get all of the customers that purchased this report and do other things with me and tell them, you know what, there's this monthly call that I'm doing. Let's call it, I don't know, virtual coffee. What I'm going to do there is talk to the audience because I love talking and they can ask any questions they want. Now, how exactly do I do that? One option is to say, let's go buy something from GoToMeeting, host it on GoToMeeting. That's nice, but I don't need to deal with the hassle. I've got the membership part on my website anyway. It's based on WordPress. So the better way would be just to embed a a solution in there. So people coming to the website, they sign in anyway. They go to a page and just, you know, the session is live there. 
So I ended up integrating WebRTC solution from the company Drum. They have a service called Share Anywhere that you can embed it with a bit of you know JavaScript code. And it works nice. I couldn't have done it before. It was too expensive. And now it's almost free. It's 20 or $30 a month or something like that. So for me, it's dirty cheap. It goes to the exact need that I have in the exact price point that I'm willing to pay. And it works. It's hard to see how the... Well, we've been saying this for a long time, but it's hard to see how a lot of traditional players in the space are are going to keep up with any of this because there are so many of these types of solutions available. There are WebRTC-based plugins you can install to WordPress that will allow you to do simple point-to-point calling for zero dollars, right? And it's yes, it, it's just it's the wild west out here. Yes. Do you, do you actually see any one particular overriding use case, or do you, you just think it's going to be pretty ubiquitous and used for, for everything as it matures? Everything. Um, the three main areas that you see today are first one, the live streaming, the live broadcast that you know we t- we've talked about earlier. That's like it's growing. It's very small, but it's growing nicely. And in there, WebRTC isn't actually going in the broadcast part. So the broadcast still goes over Flash or HLS or MPEG Dash, but the video acquisition itself, the interaction with between the people in real time is done using WebRTC. And I guess that in that use case, if you, you know fast forward three or four years from now, then it, we might just see the whole viewership side of the story migrating to WebRTC as well. Someone will need that backend server that is, uh, let's say, economically viable to hold thousands of people in the same session at the same time at a price point that can compete with Woza for Flash, for example. And that would be the end of it. Um, So that's one. The other one is most definitely contact centers. It happened in 2015. It's going to continue moving forward. In 2015, what what I've noticed there is that most of the let's say, real use cases of companies that make money out of actually using WebRTC have decided to take WebRTC and put it inside the contact center. So no more click-to-call buttons that people press to get access. You call the contact center the way you did all the time previously. So you lose the context, you lose the ability to be in the same channel. But now as a contact center, all of my agents are actually looking only at the CRM. There is a single single application they watch in the browser and they get the call there. And you've seen companies there like Freshdesk, LiveOps, Dendesk, and, you know, all of these types of uh, support companies that have a CRM and the contact center using WebRTC in that side. And it allows to virtualize a lot more and to make the workforce a lot more flexible. Now, moving forward, you're going to notice (coughs) WebRTC going into SDKs or into self-service applications. Similar to Amazon Mayday, but think about, uh, you, know, you want to go check your bill of one of the services that you use, you don't like it, you press a button, it calls into the contact center. But now it doesn't use, let's say, the voice on the phone, it uses the voice inside the app. So the company knows you, you're already, already signed in, they know that you just looked at your bill, so that's probably the thing that you want to deal with. They know how to write, route you inside the contact center, and it's all already contextualized to begin with. So they own the interaction. So, so I, w- I would imagine that as, as we go forward, an awful lot of this traffic, though, is, is going to be on mobile. Um, so the, the, the various uh, mobile infrastructures are vitally important. That It's vitally important that they support these things. And we're still not there, really. And I actually have problems with, with Chrome on uh, a, a Nexus uh, 5, sorry, 6, Um calling into Hangouts. It, it just will not work. It, it crashes every time. But it'll work with, with other WebRTC things. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering how much, much much more work and how much of this is dependent on what the, the mobile vendors give us, where Android goes, where iOS goes, indeed, where Windows 10 goes. So I think it doesn't matter at all when it comes to mobile or doesn't matter for most of the use cases. Because, Andy, let me ask you this. Today, how many times have you opened your browser on, the, or on your phone versus the apps that you use on your phone? Well, you're muted. Yeah, something happened there. We're not hearing you. 
No, not muted at all. Well, he's not muted, but he's but we're not hearing him. Audio. My my little button. I yeah, manual I, mute override. Your little button. Go ahead, go ahead, Andy. <laughs> I've forgotten what I was saying now. <laughs> How many? You heard the question. How many times? Uh, I don't. Uh, very, well, that's because your eyes are not what they used to be. I have these funny so, things called glasses, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't very much. Uh, I mean, I use Chrome for uh, for browsing a little bit, but generally, yes, I would use an app if if it's a specific thing or a, a news app or a weather app or something like that. Then yes, I would use the app in preference. So if most of the interaction goes inside the app, so what you actually need is an SDK of WebRTC that was ported into that platform. You can get these SDKs either as a standalone SDK from companies like Frozen Mountain. You can build it on your own or use third-party developer shops that do that. I know a few of those that this is what they do for a living. Or you can use something like Talkbox or, Talkbox or Twilio that will give you also a mobile SDK. Mm-hmm. So that part is, you know, that's covered. You can say that it's not as good as it should be, but then, you know, CPUs get better, technology gets better, and it improves, and it has nothing to do with the fact that Apple or Google decided or decided not to invest in that part in the browser on their devices. Yeah, exactly. that's a very good answer. I was going to ask a very similar sort of question, uh, but that's a very clever answer, um, which rings true. Um, mobile support for WebRTC is definitely not there, but what we're seeing is a whole load of applications that use WebRTC technologies, and because the uh, App Store mechanism is made to be so efficient and so easy to use, it's, mm-hmm. it's so simple to, to drop a, um, a an app on, on the handset very quickly and easy and just use that. And of mm-hmm. course, the same is not true, or so true, the desktop environments because because they're they're much more open flexible devices um you tend not to use app stores on on your desktop and you but you're going to say but of course with my ubuntu i use a use an app store as well you your app is I don't, I, I repository repository but look then the next question was windows 10 okay and microsoft edge you can go there as well and then i say well ouch ouch and uh, yeah, yes, I, I, just, I was going to bring up the uh, the question about because Windows 10 has not gone the way that Microsoft wanted it to. It means that there's still an awful lot of uh, Microsoft Internet Explorer out there, particularly in in corporates. And, I think you, uh, you you look at it wrong. Microsoft Windows 10 was huge success, 200 million installations, active installations, whatever. The problem that they really have is that Edge isn't being used by the people that use Windows 10. Witness, I am not running Edge. I am running Chrome. I have Edge. It is my second or third browser I reach for. It's, it's my here. third. Yeah, exactly the same. In, in order, Chrome, Firefox, Edge. And, and, you and might, I might even put Opera in there as well. And I don't even have Windows 10 at all. Well, this is, you know, you're, you're pointing up a funny thing, though, James, which is that we live in a community where, and I'm sorry to say this, Michael and a few of the other people who are not hot on Apple, but when you, whenever you go to Comedia World or any of these things that we many of us go to, Astrocon too, you look out in the room and there's like 90% Apple hardware. Well, yeah, if you turned up at which, like wait, let World, me just clarify that I'm not anti ten. You get laughed out of the. Out I'm, of the I am not a Microsoft hater. Not, not, the, 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 that's not if the point. Want, okay. Want to build a large? You want to build something that's applicable to a large user base? That is the large right. user base. Right. And, and you know, so I, be I, it. Right? I I agree with that's that too. Cool. I wanted to interject a comment that kind of is is off the wall, but we'll, we'll see what he has to say about it. Which is that if you we're not all that old. We you everybody remembers when Ajax was this was came out, which was what five maybe eight seven years ago now. Um, and the big the big buzzword Ajax Ajax. You know I see WebRTC very similar to Ajax. Nobody talks about Ajax anymore because it's just JavaScript and it's there and there it is. You use it. You do. You can update live stuff on the page and that's the end of it. Uh, WebRTC is a little bit like that, and maybe in the coming years we're not even going to be talking about WebRTC anymore. Uh, but it's it's going to be that technology. What do you, what would you say about that? Not the same. 
Of course, I expected that. So go ahead. Yes, I think the difference is the number of moving parts in WebRTC. Okay, it's not AJAX. You got the browser. You can send an HTTP request. The request goes to the server. You do something there, and that's it. With WebRTC, well, you need to start a call. We need to bring signaling from somewhere, decide what to do there. Then you need to take care of the fact that there is not only a signaling server, but there needs to be the stupid turn and stun stuff that takes care of not traversal. So you build it, you host it yourself, you put it somewhere. There's a lot more difficulties in the process there. So unless someone comes and make it stupid simple, but at a price point of free, it's not going to die away or go into the background of our lives. Right. What, what you, you are making one very good point, which is that we're to, you know, WebR, uh, AJAX concerns a little bit of drawing and a little bit of text, and WebRTC has a live video. It's real-time communication, so there is a big difference. I was kind of making more of a general point, which is that we're not going to be worried about the keyword WebRTC in the future, perhaps, um, and it's not going to be such a hot topic. I mean, the VUC, we've been talking about for the last two years, we talk about almost nothing else. Uh, so so um, that's a funny aspect in and of itself. But it is, it's the most exciting thing happening right now. I mean, who, what are we going to talk about? SIP? We're talking about Windows <laughs> 10, are we, again? No, 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 no. we're not. No. And I, it's just things like the uh, Microsoft Lumia 950 and the, the Surface Book. And whenever I see somebody on the train, the, the occasional person, and there are very many of them out there, who produces a Surface Book, Everybody goes, ha, 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 and laughs at them. Yeah. Oh. I would suspect as much as anything, that's because people don't quite understand how good a Surface 3 is, to be honest. Yes. Yeah. On the other hand, the Lumias are kind of like, oh, yeah, well, whatever, go away. Well, didn't, didn't Microsoft, in all uh, honesty, the first two Surfaces were so ridiculous, and the, the RT platform, uh, they really messed up the intro. But obviously, today, there are some amazing things that that thing can do, and it's good hardware, but they kind of they messed up the intro of it. That's classic Microsoft, though. Version 1 is just yeah. to see if there is a market. Version 2 is to put a little polish on it. By version 3, it's actually usable. Mm. Well, perhaps you're right. Perhaps I just have had no experience, which, which is probably a good reason for getting somebody who, who knows Windows 10 really well to come on the VUC and to tell us all about it. Uh. it show, show us what it can do, because I've got no idea. I'll tell you what it can do. It can do whatever you need from a computer. That's it. It's a laptop. It works. It's got a touch screen. And the funny thing is my kids use it and don't care, but they use Ubuntu and don't care either. They don't even notice the differences anymore. And that that's a big notable thing, and we've sort of skewed off topic, but I'll make one point and finish, and that is um, the, the new killer applications that drive hardware, be it from whatever manufacturer or whatever operating system, kind of aren't emerging, but WebRTC is kind of one of those things that making real-time comms that includes things like video sort of more pervasive across applications could drive hardware uh, as it you know becomes more broadly deployed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't contemplate doing something like the VUC without the video piece now. Um, when VUC started, when we all all were in the early days, which, what, five five years ago? Seven. It was all seven years eight. ago. Eight, in fact. Any advance on eight. Um, it, it was all high-definition defi- high conference bridge, and that was fine, but we couldn't go back to that now. Oh, no, 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 no. When it started, it was TalkShoe. It was narrowband PSTN. That's right. That's right. And the high-definition stuff didn't come along until uh, 2008 when, when uh, I, got, I got David Frankel on. And, uh, and you know, so there have been, been kind of three generations. Although I, I put forth this challenge, and that is making good use of video remains difficult. And it remains – it's difficult to get guests to come on. And the, Sahil, sorry for killing your name there, but the fact that you can show slides <laughs> – Without your computer hanging up is absolutely that puts you you know in the top. Oh, 10%. Well, there's there's two things in my opinion. There are two things here that that are in play with video. For the first thing is 
putting a human face on things. And that's true. It's really good to see people and to see them live, not live, live, but necessarily, but in video, to see the gesturing and the, which I do a lot of, apparently. That's right, where we can ask a difficult question and we can see the, the look of panic in their Exactly. Or the look of confidence in the case of our today's guests. But <laughs> the, the, the first, that's the first thing. The second thing is slides, but also demos. So we've done some demos. We were talking today to the people with Blab. Well, I, I wrote to them because they wrote to me several times. Uh, and we're trying to get them on. Now, if, if, if they come on the, the um, uh, VUC, we will do a live demo, just like we've done dive demos well, with uh, James. You, you, using Blab. Well, not in this minute, but uh, when I ask them to come on and talk about it. And if they do... Uh, they are going to. We're going to show that, and Michael and I both have ways to show screens. He's a little more advanced than I am on that, but we try to do that. Uh, we're able to just the hangouts themselves are able to share slides. By the way, I have to congratulate you again, uh, Sahib, because uh, a lot of people are not able to figure out how to show the slides without that interface on the side. You you hit a key, and that was it. That's great. I think you're, you're using well, a second machine. No, it's not that. It's the fact that, well, in the test RTC, you remember we did last time, last my the last VUC that I joined uh-huh. test RTC, and there we actually sell only through almost only through Hangouts to customers around the world. Mm-hmm. So we do a session. We start with a presentation, and then we segue to a demo. And in the demo, we actually show WebRTC within a WebRTC call to mm-hmm. people. So I'm used to that part of, you know, the, the mechanism of using Hangouts itself as, as the tool, the daily tool that I work with. So for me, it's second nature it, it, now. It, it, and, and, and what, but so you've come along to kind of this thing that we started doing a couple of years ago when we wanted to first show Jitsi Video Bridge inside of a Hangout and glue, gluing disparate things together. I mean, that's the challenging bit for, for people who are a bit glued in. Uh, the other challenging part is, you know, making things easier to use for the mass population who, uh, you know, don't want to be that clued in, right? They just want it to work. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, the vet that's going to see the pup, the vet just wants to sit in front of whatever the device is and, hey, hey, look, zoom in on that bit there. Show me that bit. Is that a lump? And okay. that's, where, that's where the person with the idea comes to play because he knows his target audience. He knows the people that are going to use it. What they do each day, what they need, what needs to show on the screen for them at the time of the actual conversation. Okay, do I need to see you in a big window or a small window? Is the data that is next to you more important than you? And the only thing that I need to know is that you're there. There will be such use cases. Oh, and then there are other other tiny little things like the authentication. Yes. Uh, um, And you need to know that it is the person that you think you're looking at. And yes. Hmm. So. Well, the, the the one thing about the medical thing is though that a, a doctor would often want to feel the lump and examine it physically, but it's true well, that it's certainly a great... <laughs> please. You can't replace everything. <laughs> no, no. Well, the point is that this is certainly... Well, a different industry. This is, no, <laughs> this is certainly a good replacement. For, uh, it's a good choice uh before you need to move especially if you're hundreds of miles away so no there's no question this this is be valuable and a lot of times i had a problem with my eye once and my uh doctor said send me a photo you know she had d- done an operation she's i was in, uh, you know i would never have thought of that but when she, once she said take a photo with your phone and send it to me um and then she said no don't worry about that so it's true this this validates that theory and that's that definitely works um, so it's a first, uh, the first uh, care scenario. We need to get to because we're getting towards the end here. We need to get to the report. Ah, Michael, one one question. Sure. About these platform as a service providers, and I'm not a developer, so I ask this question out of sheer ignorance. Um, is there any variability in in their ability to uh, amend or adapt or work with the dev community? You know, on specific use cases, specific applications, do they do they vary in their approach to yes to flexibility? Definitely. Definitely. So, some of these platforms are actually, again, as I said in the beginning, suitable to work with larger enterprises. 
you come as a startup, they don't know what to do with you. Okay, I had one case that I said, okay, give me access. They sent me an email with, you know, an SLA that I need to send, an agreement that I need to sign in order to gain access to the documentation of their platform and to see the backend. And I told them, well, no, 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 that doesn't work like that. I need to register online, self-service, and use it. So, you know, at the onset, they said, we're not going to cater to people that don't have a lawyer sitting next to them for anything, everything that they're doing. Others would say, you know, we are generic in nature, but we want to target contact centers in our offering. And CafeX is a good example of that. They and is that, a case to, of just, is that a case of just ensuring that they're uh, attracting customers who are funded? I think it's a matter of, it can be, there are different answers here. One of them would be, well, they are focused enough to know that they can't do everything. So the first customer coming into the door, that's going to be what they're going to focus for the next two or three years. Okay, because, you know, success knocks, you do what you, you know, it worked once, let's see if it works again. There are those that will try to be everything to everyone, and they would usually fail in the process of trying to be everything to everyone. Um, and you see that, you, you talk to them, you understand where they're coming from, who they actually fit well to, and they don't want, they don't want to agree with you on that. They say, no, 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 no. we're doing everything. So, yes, they are different, and it depends on their pedigree, where they are coming from and what type of company they come from. And another example, healthcare, you need HIPAA compliance. HIPAA compliance means that the vendor needs to sign something. So if you go to someone that didn't deal with HIPAA compliance in the past, it's going to be hard for him to do this thing of signing your papers for something that relates to your use case. Okay, so we need to get to this page which you can reach, uh, for you listening to this voice, by going to vuc.me slash webrtc. doesn't matter the capital letters or the... Uh, it's case insensitive, is how we say it in the business. Um, and um, we have uh, somewhat of a deal for you, but, but the main thing is, deal or no deal, you need to look at this report. Uh, what we've been talking about just scratches the surface. This is the man who knows these things, so check this out. I'm going to let him get back to describing the report, giving you the whole uh, deal on that. Okay, so the report includes several parts. It talks a little bit about WebRTC, what WebRTC is. It goes into the different uh, strategies that, that uh, people go into developing use cases with WebRTC. Then it shows the different, uh, let's call it metrics and KPIs, the things that you need to look at. What we talked in the in the beginning, you know, you need to. It's not only features; it requires also business models, the way, <coughs> uh, the pricing that you get, the data center locations, things like that. So it goes and details all of these things to make it easier to pick the things that are most important to you, and then it drills down into the various uh, vendors that are uh, in the report. Twenty-three today. Each one gets his own four-pager of information. There is an online comparison metrics that is available where you can check three <clears throat> three vendors at the time at the time to see if they offer the feature set that you need. The presentation visuals from the report are also available in PowerPoint format so you can copy paste them to show to you, you know, to your management. And it also includes a monthly virtual coffee session. So when you purchase the report you actually purchase updates for a full year on the report. And the ability to come into these monthly sessions, to listen in to the topic of the month, and also to ask questions either related to the topic or unrelated at all. Just out of interest, what technology do you use for the monthly virtual coffee meetings? WebRTC. Of course. It's, of course. I've embedded share anywhere, anywhere from Drum, and it's working nicely. I like the solution and how it works. These sessions actually get recorded as well, and you can play them back so you can watch the previous past recordings that I've done. Okay, and so what really sets out your service, and that's more of a service, not just a, a report. It, it's, yes. uh, it's a living, growing thing as opposed to a static lump of um, PDF document. Yes, yeah. it started as a lump of a PDF, and then changes started happening, so I had to... to take another snapshot of them, and then I understood that this is going to be, you know, an ongoing process for the coming years. And then I just decided that I wanted to do these sessions, first of all, because I'm bored. And, you know, it's another thing to do, to talk to people. 
it's good service to the people that I work with. And from the questions, I can actually learn more of what needs to go into my next versions of the same report. Excellent. I want to make a comment based on my own opinion. I never do that, of course, but I'm going to just make an exception here. Uh, All kidding aside, if you go to a lawyer to have them write a letter to respond to some legal challenge you've had, that's going to cost you probably $600. So looking at this report, you're getting sort of almost like a year of consultancy. You can't call them on the phone every 20 seconds, but you're going to be listening in. I mean, this is just such an amazing value that, um, as I wrote in IRC, if I needed this information, I would not hesitate for a second. I remember when my company, we, we needed Oracle, God knows for what reason, but we needed Oracle. It cost like two grand. I mean, hello, uh, there were so many free alternatives, and for some reason, we had to have Oracle to work with some project, and it costs a fortune. So this is not a big amount of money to have a personal consultancy sessions with uh, somebody of this level of knowledge. I'm going to stop because I'm going to sound like some kind of a carnival uh, shill here, but I do believe this is well worth looking into. So You're if you need this, well. check it out. You're extremely well, Randy. You're doing a very good job. You agree, yeah, I though. I have done it myself. Thank you. <laughs> no, but all kidding aside, of course, you can support the VUC, too, because uh, um, the, using that code will get you the extra bit, right? But, but the point is, if you are listening to this and you've, um, you've checked out what he knows about this stuff and, and what our audience, uh, how our audience respects him, um, you will see that this is what you've got to be into. In the meantime, go to bloggeek.me to read Asahi's uh, uh, posts, and, as we do. And there's a newsletter. How do we get that? From the blog itself. Okay, so go to the blog, bloggeek. Newsletters, and then... There you can sign up for the WebRTC Weekly that I do with uh, Chris Cranky. Uh, by the way, we are going to have a new Cranky Geek event, this time in Bangalore, India, um, March 19 and... March? Yes, March 19, and this is going to be published and announced a week from now or so when we actually get the website up and running with the information. Excellent. Yeah, those are, those are great gather- gatherings. Um, these are great events, Everybody, check these out, uh, and I'm going to ask everybody who's uh, able to speak now, even including ZipDX, if anybody has any comments or questions before we close. I had one particular one, and it's it's not so much about the, the platform. It's more about uh, WebRTC itself, um, and that's that uh, we, we're using Opus. Well, hopefully people are using Opus rather than G711. Um, but at the moment, nearly everybody's using it in mono. Is, is, is there any uh, uh, likelihood, do you think, that uh, a lot of these things are going to start supporting stereo and maybe positional audio as well? At the end of the day, I guess that that would depend mostly on the hardware and not on the software. So until you get that by default from the majority of the devices that you are going to presumably be using, then no. I was just thinking about uh, whether WebRTC would actually ever be in a position to, to challenge something like uh, some someone like Polycom in, in terms of uh, video conferencing within rooms. And uh, if so, you, had, yeah, I guess the answer for that is yes, because I think I thought about it this week. Um, if you look at the about the value that the systems bring to customers when it comes to visual communications. You know, the trajectory that the companies are going through no longer matters. What are you going to do next? 4K, 8K, okay, UHD resolution for your video sessions with 120 frames per second. Okay, great. I'm not going to pay for that more than I'm paying today. Mm. So the whole point of usability is changing, and it's moving from these large meeting rooms that are located physically in a certain place to things like uh, mobility, searchability, having the history in there, the ability to use different modalities for communication. And you can also say it's the reason why Polycom closed their offices in Israel end of last year, and Cisco went and acquired the Cano for, I don't know, $600 million, a company that existed for two years doing WebRTC in the cloud. And yes, connecting to these room systems and it's already challenging these players. Maybe not in the high-end quality of the systems, 
But then the question is, do you really need that quality as much as you thought that you needed it? Or are we in the zone of good enough for 90% of the people? I think you're absolutely right there when you say, is it good enough? And what's the price tag? And above all, uh, you gain so much inflexibility. Uh, if you've got a big polycom uh, video conferencing suite, you're very limited in what you can actually do with it. You can do what polycom designed it to do, and that's it. Whereas WebRTC, on a general-purpose bit of hardware, you can do a lot more. And, and also, with reference to your question of stereo and positional stuff, this has been deployed in the larger systems for quite some time, but the value add was not considered substantial. And, and consequentially, it may just not make the cut when it comes to the broader deployment across all kinds of devices. Yeah, and we, we've been using positional audio for, well, some time on things like wire and and free switch um, um, the uh, the WebRTC thing in uh, in in free switch. So oh, Verto, yeah. but and they are even Johnny come lately. If you if you look at the hardware systems, they, it goes back a decade. Hmm. Yeah, but nobody really used them because the only people you could use them with were people who've got compatible hardware, and because they're so hideously expensive, there weren't a, a lot of those floating around, were there? I know we've got a suite, a hugely expensive uh, Polycom video conferencing suite, and I think it, it hardly ever gets used. Yeah, uh, and the main reason for that is finding people on the other end who've got compatible hardware. Yeah, I, I used to work um, for a customer who had uh, a beautiful $100,000-plus Polycom room with a huge screen. They never used it. I mean, the, the, these things get sold through a system of, um, you know, people who have a certain budget to spend and they think they're going to do something, and in fact, it almost never gets done. Uh, to, before, be fair, to be fair, before we're, you know, it, sure. it's not all, it shouldn't all be naysaying. There are people who use such systems. They tend to be used by the C-suites yeah. of a certain enterprise class. Mm -hmm. That it doesn't trickle down to the rest of the organization isn't particularly a problem as long as the C-suites are satisfied. Okay. Before we go, uh, I've got uh, Daniel Berninger is with us. Uh, Dan, can you hear me? And he says he's unmuted, so we're waiting for him to speak. Well, Quick announcement. Unmute yourself in high definition, Dan. you got to unmute yourself in high def, yeah. Star six, Dan, I see you muted. Or I can unmute you if you'd like. Uh, I don't even see him, so I don't know where, where he is. But uh, before we go, I want to thank Sahi. I'm sorry to never uh, be able to pronounce the name, but you know who you are. Sahi, it's been fun. It's, <laughs> okay, Daniel's here. Okay, Daniel, and it's it's great to to have you with us. Um, and as you know, you can come back anytime, Sahi. So we'll see you then. Sure, thank you. Thank you. All right, Daniel. Before we go, we have a couple of minutes. Yeah. We can uh, let's talk about what you're planning. Sure. So uh, the quick uh, advertising. I guess we're going to have more of a full session next week on this. But um, folks probably know about something called the Declaration of. Uh, independence of cyberspace. It came out mm -hmm. 20 years ago. So I'm putting together a sort of online VoIP version of a petition where we're going to see how many HD voice conversations we can have between now and February 8th uh, and the 20-year anniversary. And the, the, the short history of the declaration is that it was generated when the U.S. came up with the Telecom Act of 1996 Barlow saw that it was imposing on what the potential of the Internet could be, and all those issues are <clears throat> still playing out, even though, of course, you know, the technology is, is, has completely washed over the old world, so there is no more PSDN as we knew it, um, but the policy questions are still tripping people up. So um, I'm going to do this sort of online, hey, talk some, any, anytime, 24 hours a day for the next 30 days, and we'll see how many conversations we can get going. Um, and that'll be sort of what I'm viewing as our contribution to the great and gathering conversation that Barlow imagined. That's fantastic. So this is starting when? Not now. Yes? So I'm going to start tomorrow. Uh, so we have 30 days starting tomorrow. And cool. I'll post to my list. And a lot of your friends are probably on my list. I have about 5,000 people that I've interacted in the VoIP HD world over the years. Um, and we'll just see how far we get. And, you know, I'll be there as much as I can, and, and I'll have some co-hosts, and, and, and the conversation can range wherever. Um, the, 
part of the idea too is that you know we're stuck still doing telephone calls. You know, 20 years later, uh, the the VoIP users group here is is very unique. There isn't really any sort of interactive efforts like you have been going and and supporting for a number of years now. And the the idea just seems powerful that if if in general there was a place you could go to talk to people any time of the day um, that wasn't necessarily somebody you knew, it seems like that great, you know, again, what Barlow called the great and gathering conversation, that's kind of an idea whose time has come. So we're, we're playing around with that. You know, I'm so old that you used to be able to pick up your phone and do that. You never knew who was going to be on the other end. Party not lines. to call somebody you don't know. <laughs> so if you, if you imagine, you know, the, the web itself, when you browse the web, as far as you know, you're alone, right? right? You can go to whatever website as far as you know you're alone. But in fact, no, there's probably, you know, 10, 20, depending on where you are, people at that same website. Sure. And so the, the thought is there should be these sort of massive conversations out there that you could just join anytime you want. Oh, you're talking about Usenet for voice. <laughs> yes, Usenet for voice, IRC for voice. Um, and, and we'll just, but again, the technology, it's the quote unquote, the technology is there, um, but, you know, it hasn't happened. And so we're just experimenting with it and promoting HD voice, and we'll just see where it goes. Okay. Is there a single URL we can uh, go to to get, figure out how to call? So right now, it's just Dan. Yeah, so Dan at DanielBerninger.com is the SIP URI. Oh, okay. So we'll try to put that out there, and I'll look for your email. I haven't read your initial email yet, the one that you just sent uh, today, I think. But we'll put that information yeah, out there, and I'll definitely be there. Let me know. Sure, I'll definitely be there. And um, we're going to say goodbye for now, and we'll move on to the Mature Audiences version, which is on ZipDX. So take care, everybody. Hey, that was the bleeding edge of the IP communications and VoIP community. We're at VUC.me on the web. Thanks to Simwood.com, who can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our host at PBX is provided by OnSIP.com. The site at VUC.me is on Bluehost.com. We use ZipDX.com for our wideband, full-featured conference bridge. And our local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. Every Friday, 12 noon Eastern Time, see you next week. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.